Welcome to the Band Advice Podcast, the Matt and Mark Show, or whatever we're to call it. We haven't quite figured out a name for it, but hey, whatever, right? Uh, my name is Mark. And this and I'm is, Matt. Hey, Matt, how you doing, buddy? I'm good, good, good man. Awesome. What's going on? Oh, man, staying busy, staying busy. So did you have a good Christmas? Oh, uh, yeah, of course I did. Awesome, awesome. I uh, I did the, the grand experiment. I put out two Christmas songs, and... Uh, yeah, mixed mixed results. <laughs> we'll just say it's mixed results. I had the uh, the Mad Dog Mark and the Blues Hounds Christmas Time Blues. Love which, it, love which it. That a uh, lot of fun. And that was actually I wasn't going to release that this year, but I decided what the heck I did it. And then I had my classical guitar version of uh, Silent Night, and I decided to really try. Well, first of all, I wanted to get it out there first in, in hopes that Spotify and all that would pick it up on their playlist. Didn't quite happen. But I found some interesting results, though, and we'll get into that a little bit later on. But, you know, now that the Christmas season's over, it's time to kind of sit back and uh, take a look at my stats and see what actually happens. So, mm-hmm. Did you do uh, do any releases for Christmas this year? Well, on, on my birthday, I put out a live recording uh, via my website. Oh, cool. And so it was, uh, you know, I'm trying to, like, kind of take a few cues from the master and see, you know, like, Recently, Neil Young has made this archive of his available mm-hmm. on his website. And so not only does it have all of his well-known, well-loved things, but it's also got outtakes and videos and nice. scans of lyrics and set lists and pictures and, you know, video. Just It's so expansive, you know, and he's been threatening to do this for a long time. And, <laughs> you know, he's kind of rest, wrestles with technology, too. And so, you know, they put out the physical box set, which had... 10 CDs, DVD, all this stuff. But now it's all online. Nice. So, you know, there for about six months, he had it to where it was uh, free, open air. You know, you could just go look, let listen, whatever, uh, you know, for six months. And I, I think now he's got it to where it's a, a, a subscription type service. And so, you know, he's sort of figured out that Facebook's not really the place for, for music. Facebook is, right. you know, uh, sort of on its way to different, different things and so i'm trying to follow that model as poorly <laughs> as, as i can and so i, I you know i had this uh, recording that was, came out pretty good and i felt like you know i wanted to you know, make that available to people on my website and you know just knock down all the the walls between me and the listener me right. and the fan me and the person who does want to hear my music you know where can you hear my music well you can go to this go to that da 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 well how about you just start promoting yourself instead of all these websites? Right. Okay. And that's not, you know, working out just all that great. Cause I'm, <laughs> I'm just not really working it uh, on the promotion part of it as hard as I could and as smart as I could. But you know, that's just the reality of where I'm going. Like with it, I'm, you know, I'm not waiting for these big labels to come knocking at my door. I'm not even trying to, you know, I've tried it for years and it was like, okay, the headlines last year, Ozzy Osbourne, I'm not going to record another album. It's pointless. Okay. Wow. The other headline, Atlantic Records signs Catch Me Outside Girl. I'm like, <laughs> who's that? I used to think I would want to. Uh, it's the girl that was on uh, Dr. Phil, and it was like, you know, this surly little 13 year old or something. And, you know, enough yeah, said. Her parents were like, you know, trying to get, get her a handle on her, and her deal was like, Catch Me Outside, you know, as like sort of catch me outside and I'll beat you up or something oh, like that. Okay. And so Atlantic Records signed this girl. 
I used to think I might want a contract on Atlantic Records, but I'm just not really too sure that that's the yeah. case now. I had a song reviewed by them once. Really? Yeah, yeah. They, uh, I sent a letter, try to be as professional as possible, and I got a call. Is uh, Jason Flom's assistant? She goes, "Yeah, we're really interested in hearing this song. Uh, you know, we might have some artists send it to us." I'm like, "Uh, uh, okay." Yeah, I sent it to them. They lost the tape. Sent them another tape, and uh, basically the summation of it is that they needed to work on the melody. But hey. Yeah, my song listened to him by his. So yeah, there's, I, there's my 32 seconds of fame. That's 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 cool. Yeah, that's yeah. cool. At least you're, you know, I always kind of liken it to fishing in the right pond with the right bait. Right. You know, and so I feel like okay, you gotta if you gotta figure out what you want. Mm-hmm. What do you want out of life? True. What what is success to you? Right. And then you have to figure out how to get that. Many times. People get frustrated fishing in the wrong pond with the wrong bait. Right. You know, is reaching out to Atlantic Records um, going to be successful 100% of the time and the first time you do it? Absolutely not. Right. You know, and so, but at least you're fishing in the right sure. pond sure. and with the right bait. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, it's, it's, it depends. See, there's some people that are, are great performers, horrible songwriters. Some people that are great songwriters but don't have that uh, whatever it takes, just say qua to be the right performer. So, yeah, what do you want to do? Do you want people to hear your music or do you want people to hear you play your music so that's true you know, and that's that's what it all comes down to as well but i don't personally i gave up a long time ago about getting a major label deal i gave up a long time ago about getting sort of any any sort of label deal uh you know you just wake up one day you look at yourself in the mirror it's like yeah 14 year old girls ain't buying my album yeah <laughs> well and it all so, comes down to you know the the mainstream stuff, you know, and right. I, I've known enough people with major label deals, and they've relayed these stories and situations. It's like, you know, there's no room for error anymore. Right. You know, in 1972, 1978, 1981, <laughs> there was room for error because they were selling a lot of units, they were making a mm-hmm. lot of money, but still, uh, you know, now there's like. I'm not exactly spring chicken either, you know? And I mean, <laughs> this kind of music, anything that's real, that's done real, is fringe music now. Right. That's taken a long time for me to accept that. But someone who's 23, two guys playing guitar and singing without tracks, without lights, without go-go dancers, that's fringe music now. True, true. And, you know, there's still lots and lots of people that like that music, but... How do you get to them? How do you get to them? Yeah, well, that's the key. Um, you and I were talking earlier. There was a movie that came out about eight years ago, or ten years ago, actually. It was called uh, Artifact. And it was uh, basically about Jared Leto's band, 30 Seconds to Mars, and their big battle that they were having with their major label, EMI, at the time. And apparently EMI came to having them on their roster by acquisition and acquisition. And they you know, they wanted off their contract. Uh, 30 Seconds to Mars wanted out of their contract. EMI wanted them to stay, uh, so they sued him for $30 million. Cute, right? Uh, <laughs> but the, the entire movie was centered around this lawsuit as well as when they're trying to put out this album, which, by the way, is a great album. I, it's one of my favorites uh, of, of recent music. But uh, in the movie, there was this quote that has really rung true to me, and I think it's, it's real pertinent these days as well. Basically, it's, it's by a guy named uh, Buckmeister Fuller, and it's a two-part quote. First part was, you, know, you never change things by fighting the existing reality. You know, that's our existing reality, I think we've already touched on. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then the second part of it is to change something, build a new model that makes the existing model obsolete. 
Well, that's exactly where we are these days, especially the DIY and, uh, you know, record labels. That model's obsolete. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we can go on and on and on, and we'll probably will in a future podcast talk about where the major labels messed up. And, uh, but nowadays, the you know, this is the great time, as he said, it's also the worst time, but the DIY musicians. So what is the model? What is, how is this going to work? I mean, I have my opinions and I have, I have my the path that I'm going to take with my stuff. You have your way of doing things and what you have done. So why don't you talk about a little bit about your model as a DIY musician? Well, you know, when I started recording, uh, I thought I got to get this out there to, to people just beyond my hometown, be beyond the people that are just coming to the gigs or whatever. And, you know, the internet was, pretty well going by the time I put out that first album in 2002, but I didn't really take a whole lot of advantage of it even till up about 2005 when mm-hmm. I did that second album. And so, you know, I went through the CD baby submission and all that. And I mean, it, it, it's, it's amazing, you know, it's like, wow, it's all, it's all that those albums are on, you know, all those download services and they're available at walmart.com and all these big <laughs> sites and stuff like that. And so it's like, it kind of changed the way it all went. You know, when I sat down and talked with the then owner of CD baby, the guy that started Derek Sivers, Mm -hmm. I got a chance to talk to him for a few minutes at meet him in France in 2005. And it was like, this guy started CD baby from his basement garage, whatever. And, you know, turned it into a a great alternate way of distributing music. You know, Mm -hmm. it's kind of like, uh, you know, in the old days, in 1968, man, you're doing a record. I mean, there's just going to be some gates that you're not going to be able to get over unless you've got a lot of money. Right. You just couldn't just go out there and do an album. You had to be somebody of some note that had some capital and access to machinery that just not your average person could just go down to the store and buy. Mm-hmm. And so that was that was kind of kept... Uh, you know, just what the pub, what what those big companies wanted the public to see, that kept that tight rein on that. And you know, long about the punk generation, the late seventies, early eighties, you know, people started figuring out ways of doing it on their own. You know, recording on four track and mixing it down to cassette. And, you know, making dupes of that and selling it out of the trunk of their car. You know, maybe somebody had a vinyl cutter. I mean, you know, I love that DIY ethic because it's earthy and it's real and it's like. Mm-hmm. You know, whether you're a rapper, you're a punk rocker, or a roots Bruce rocker. Springsteen with a four track. Totally. Yeah. I, that was just the one of his, you know, his most endearing albums to me. It was done as simple and as possible. It wasn't right. even intended for release, right. you know. And I think his fans, you know, that's what the fans like. Sure. You know, the fans like to see you in your shirt and t shorts and t shirt. They don't necessarily want to see in your tuxedo. Well, not necessarily all the time. me, but that's right. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know what I mean. Yeah, I do know what you mean. It's yeah. like they they want to see you know sort of an inside peak that's not just all fluff. You know. Sure. Sure. And I mean, if you're a major label and you're trying to sell records, I understand you're going to have to fluff some stuff up. But you know, the cool thing is the DIY thing now is that's that's kind of the way it goes. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's very few people that have major label deals and then there's even very few more that are successful at all Mm -hmm. in fact most of them end up in some sort of less favorable situations when it all is over with true and you know i I don't like to rehash any stories or nothing like that but i just feel like doing it myself on your own is is totally plausible now Mm -hmm. and you know these success stories you read it's just inspiring to see it's like wow you know this person uh 
did really well doing it their own way and, and proved to the, to the world that there is, in fact, people who like mm -hmm. whatever they're doing. When, you know, uh, you know that if this was 20 years ago, they would have knocked on every major label door and the major label would have said, no, there's no possibility that you could sell 10 million units of this. Right. We're not interested, blah, blah, blah. Well, look at this. They went out and sold 10 million. They went out and sold 2 million. You know, mm -hmm. you don't have to sell a, a platinum every time to, to make, you know, a decent living if you're playing yeah. to your audience. This old guy in this club we used to play. It was a small place, and, and I always used to laugh at this, but, you know, he would always say, like, play to your crowd. Mm -hmm. Play to your crowd. And, you know, a lot of times it was, <laughs> you know, a couple of friends and a couple of drunks, you know, that was it. But that advice carries over into the other things. Play to your crowd. Right, right. Find your crowd and play to them. And, you know, if your crowd is, is okay with getting online and downloading your music, Great. If your crowd wants it on cassette, better do it on cassette. <laughs> you know, if your crowd wants it on vinyl, do it on vinyl. Just, you know, it's almost like everybody's got their own little band now, yeah. you know, their own personal band. And so, you know, whatever the mix of, of getting your music out there, whatever that mix is, it's, it's different for everybody and it's different for every genre as far as I can see. So you were saying earlier that, uh, you know, we we're talking about the different ways of getting the music out. And you were saying earlier that you're not going to get a 58-year-old guy to log onto his phone and download your stuff. So you still have the, the mindset that for your crowd, that you need to uh, to press a CD and put that in the hands of people. Is that yes and no. I mean, last year I took a little poll, and it was like, how many new CDs or LPs have you bought in this last year? And for what it's worth, you know, my Facebook people... Uh, came back with over a hundred comments and overwhelmingly it was none. Wow. We've not bought anything new. We listen on YouTube. We listen on SoundCloud. We, you know, downloaded off iTunes, whatever it is, you know? Mm -hmm. And so I was like, okay, so that, that's one thing to, to kind of realize and then understand that like, all right, this is great because before, you know, when I was doing those first few albums, you know, you'd, You'd record the stuff, you'd have it mixed, you'd have it mastered, you'd have it manufactured, and, you know, you're into it for a few thousand dollars at that point. A whole lot of time, too. Yeah, and a whole lot of time. And so you're like, uh, you know, at that level, it was never really about, I'm going to, you know, make a million dollars making music on my own. It was just like, I want to get this music out there, and I want to be able to have a business card, kind of. Mm -hmm. You know, It's like, hey, this guy's got a CD, so that's why... We should hire him to play at our sure. <laughs> whatever whatever thing they're having, you know. And hey, we got they got something to talk about on this television show or whatever it is. And so, you know, like the first four things they tell you when you know you're trying to start or jumpstart a music career is release new music. Right. So after that poll I got, and where people said they they didn't buy anything new physical product right, right. I was like, hey, this is great because I <laughs> I got tons of stuff I can put on my website for. Mm -hmm very low cost or nothing. And I've taken it a step further. Like, look, I just want to drive them to my website. Okay. My website. I do not want to have to point them anywhere else, but to my website. Okay. Now that's a slow build. Yeah. Uh, especially since websites are kind of becoming obsolete. Everything's social media these days. So you, know, you got your Facebook group pages and stuff like that. It's like, uh, 
but I hear that all the kids, kids don't use emails these days. They use in-app messaging. They don't uh, go to websites anymore. They go to their Facebook feed, not even Facebook, Instagram. Yeah. You know, and whatever the new, you know, swipe up, swipe down thing right. is, you know. Uh, so. Yeah, I mean, and, you know, so what What I think is <clears throat> important is like what you're saying is understanding who your core audience True. is. You know, what's their age group? What's their reference point? What's their desire? What's their need? You know, what are they, what are they going to think? Uh, you know, not everybody's got enough money to buy everything they like. I understand that. Mm-hmm. But, you know, just driving them to your own website and having more of a one-on-one relationship with way less people than just trying to, like, appeal to everybody. You know? Yeah, yeah. Well, I can definitely appreciate the simplicity of it. I remember when the internet first came out and, you know, this person would have this website in Tulsa bands or whatever, and you mm. get all these profiles set up. And uh, every now and then I'll somehow show up in the Google search and it'll be on one of those things from 12, 15 years ago. It's yeah. like, I haven't kept up with this. And yet that data's still out there. It's like, oh, that's a little scary. Yeah. But uh, so you're of the opinion... You're not going to press CDs anymore. You're just well. It'd be very. It'd be very limited. Limited. Okay. And so you know, like I've released last year, I released three EPs via my website, and then you know I put that one out on my birthday this year. Mm -hmm. And so what I think is, I should probably try to have those those first two EPs together on one CD, a limited number, and then uh, you know just have uh, just eps singles and then every you know every so often print a cd that has okay there's two eps and a couple bonus tracks and something else for them to you know to, mm-hmm. to put in their hand and you know vinyls of course pretty awesome pretty pretty expensive you know well, how long do you think it's gonna last so yeah it's a cool trendy thing right now but i don't know man it's just, are digging it, it's but like everything else i mean i've had beers. a record player my whole life and <laughs> I, I, it never went away for me and it you know it's kind of frustrating some of those later 80s early 90s bands you know finding it on vinyl is really hard sure original pressings a lot of them you know have reissues but you know, I, these last few years have not been <laughs> not been so good, and you know the money thing <laughs> is a real deal. You know, right? Pressing vinyl is expensive, and so I'm trying to do it like you know on the website and uh, getting people come to the website. Yeah, visit the website hurricanemason.rocks. There you go. We'll have those in the show notes. Uh, see now. <sighs> I've been a lot like you all these years. It's like, I'm going to put out a CD, going to put press a CD. And I, I remember putting out a little four song sampler. Gosh, that was 2000 and some change. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, that was just kind of the handout. And I think I still have about 400 copies of that original pressing. Uh, but the thing is, is that cost wise, if you're going to put out a CD, you got to come up with 10 songs. It's got to be 45 minutes to make it worthwhile. So now you got all that time that you're investing, especially if you're DIYing, it, it, you know, recording and mixing and mastering 10 songs, just writing 10 songs sometimes mm. can be tedious, especially once you start uh, having kids and things like that. <laughs> uh, so I never got the project going and it just, you know, I'd get this far and then suddenly I don't like the song anymore. I get yeah. frustrated. So here, I think it was about this time last year, a buddy of ours, Steve Monod, he, he finally did. He sat down, he put out a CD and, uh, I was real, real impressed with what he did. It was fun. It's like, okay, it's time to just do it. But I decided I wasn't going to, I wasn't going to press a CD. I was going to go digital only. 
Mm-hmm. And that was like a big revelation for me. It's like, okay, if I am not going to have to worry about the cost restraint of pressing a CD and the necessity to have 10 songs or 45 minutes worth, why not just release a single by single? Yeah. And that's, that's exactly what I'm doing now. And it's my goal to put out a single by once a month. Uh, of course, this also gives me the opportunity to kind of play around with branding. You know, sure. I had the Mad Dog Mark of the Blues Hounds, which mm-hmm. is my Christmas time blues. Mm-hmm. I got Mark V, which is uh, kind of my acoustic-y uh, Americana sound, mm-hmm. more of my folky stuff. And then Mark Allen Verthal, which is my classical guitar stuff. So mm-hmm. uh, links to all those will be in the show notes. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, so I'm having fun doing that. And it's it's really giving me the opportunity to... You know, I'll start working on a particular song, and if I get inspired and I knock another one out, well, then I'll just put that one in the mix first. Yeah. So, and cost-wise, I mean, when you really start breaking it down, you're not spending $1,000 to press the CDs. You're not tripping over boxes of that stuff forever. Mm-hmm. You're not having to worry about postage and things like that. So it definitely made more sense. But you you lose the... I mean, you're definitely playing for the online audience only at that point in time, because mm-hmm. I don't gig, and... uh you know, tell my friends, you know, send them a link or something like that. But it's it's definitely going to be the impulse by the online online market. So, you know, that being said, you know, basically what I did is I bought a block of uh, block of single releases from CD Baby. I, you know, usually it runs about nine ninety nine each. I paid for ten of them right up front, so it's like seven something at the time they had a special go. So, those are just sitting out there. Whenever I'm ready to release a song, I just tap in one of those credits. But then there's the hidden fees that come because if you need, I think it's a barcode that they charge you five bucks for. Yeah. Is that or, or one of the other codes? And then you got to pay the fifty bucks on top of that to uh, to uh, get the copyright for it. And that's that's the downfall about doing the single only thing. Mm. If you're putting out a CD, you can send out your form SR and copyright the entire thing in one shot for your thirty five dollars mm. to do it single by single. It's fifty bucks to do it online, thirty five if you want to mail the stuff in, but that's mm. for each song. So that does get a little expensive that way. Yeah. And that's true. Uh, then I uh so figure I'm I'm in about seventy five dollars per song. That's yeah. that's a lot of spins at half a penny a piece to get back. But sure. You know, then this last time for the, the Christmas stuff that I put out, I decided I was going to head, go ahead and try the social media thing. And I, I uh, paid to bump up both the, the Silent Night uh, to boost that one, as well as uh, it was the Christmas Time Blues. And I got 1,200 impressions. So I reached 1,200 people. And I think the Christmas Time Blues had 59 clicks and 49 clicks on the Silent Night. As far as I can tell, none of them converted to an actual iTunes purchase, but I did see uh, a couple of uh, iTunes radio, their streaming service, a couple of spins on that. So, mm-hmm. you know, that's just lessons to be learned. So pretty much each song was, was you know, just shy of a hundred bucks. Yeah. But I, I, I don't really, I'm to the point now where I don't really have the answers. Yeah. It just seems like the longer this has gone on, I really don't understand what it takes to transfer, you know, just like, okay, I'm such a music fan. Well, I haven't <laughs> seen you in a show in five years. You've liked on two things, mm-hmm. you know? Uh, and so liking something on Facebook is not really mean that they're a fan enough of what, or what we're doing to really turn loose some of that money. And, well, right. Does a like even mean that they listen to it? Exactly. No. It's I, just like, oh, he's got a song. I like your post. Thanks yeah, for sharing. Yeah. I'll go back and listen to it later, which you never do. Yeah. You know, and, you know, what I, I've been kind of experimenting on Facebook and other social media is like, 
how does this work? You know, I mean, you put up a post about, you know, your dog got hit, something like that, and you get 200, 200 reactions of some sort, and mm-hmm. you get, you know, 150 comments. And some of these people, most of them, in fact, you know, I don't know that I know them. I don't know that I've interacted with them. I don't know that they've interacted with me on <laughs> a music level. Let's go see who these people are. And you go look at their page, and their page is – Okay, dog rescue, uh, lab this, uh, veterinarian that, uh, all their likes are, you know, pets of Rogers County. (laughs) So what it is, looks like to me, is they're seeing certain posts from their friends that contain things that they like. I see. Yeah, yeah. And so they might like me as a person, they might like my music, but they don't see those posts. Right. And, you know, there's a very complicated a bunch of math problems that go into all right who sees what Mm -hmm. and and when Mm -hmm. i mean if you have a job and you have a family and you have a life you're not going to be on there all the time right okay and so i always you know i'm still struggling with this is like you know i watch how the big guys do it and they they post every couple of hours and, and a lot of times, you know? Oh yeah. They, and Instagram all the time. Yeah. And it's like, mm-hmm. okay, here's a video of me playing. Here's a video of me acting stupid. Here's a picture of my <laughs> last album. Here's a picture of my upcoming album. Here's a video of us, you know, and it's just constantly. Right. Well, because they, you, they don't have to go get ready to go to work either. You well, know? that it's, is their work. That is their job. So, you know, that's, it's kind of like, that's my job. You know right. I mean? Mark and I have, chosen some different paths here Hell in yeah. life yeah. <laughs> and you know it's 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 a struggle either way true that's what i figured out because you know out of all my friends i'm still the one that's you know playing music doing this all the time and it's mm-hmm. like the struggles are similar but they're still the kind of the, you know, it's still kind of the same thing there's struggles no matter what right and so I, i've had a real struggle figuring out you know how to re- remain viable and how to remain where you know, you can actually reach your fans without these artificial frameworks of social whatever stopping me. Right. And then, you know, I've tried the, the paid Facebook thing and all that, too, and I got the same results. Yeah, you get 1,400 people that maybe see it, but do you get? does that mean there's going to be four more people at a gig? Is that going to mean there's going to be four downloads paid on your yeah. website? I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm as clueless as anybody else. Uh, that uh, sort of trying to f- figure it out and mm-hmm. you know there's there's these experts out there that you know you can enroll in their course or whatever and I, I mean i don't know the validity of all of them i haven't really explored all of them nobody's got the time to do that sure you know and i'm i'm just to the point where i'm like okay i think i've got s- some of the right ideas you know the idea you were talking about just doing singles well back in the early days of you know music Recorded music. I mean, that's how it went. Sure, because Stones did a single every twelve weeks. Well, right, and that's also because of what the technology was too. The uh, the seventy uh, eights. I mean, they can only hold four and a half minutes. Was it? So you release singles. You had a side, mm-hmm. b side. Yeah, and then like in the sixties, that's when the fifties and sixties started doing the forty fives, and right. so and then the know, LPs and yeah, that's that's when music really went downhill fast. I mean, the Rolling, <laughs> the Rolling Stones. You know, in their early career, I mean, they they were a singles band, right? So they would release, you know. A single every 12 weeks, and then a B-side, of course, mm-hmm. would be with that. And then, you know, those first early albums, a lot of them were kind of rehashes of singles they'd already okay. released. You know, collections, if sure, you will. Sure, sure. So, <laughs> you know, that's kind of like another option is, you know, hey, release all the singles on your website and on 
you know, whatever download service you, you want to put it on, then um, press a CD once a year that's got all our singles on it. Here, you can buy it for whatever price, and it's only going to be available via my website, something like that. You know, it's kind of got to mm-hmm. be like a sprinkling of the old and mm-hmm. a sprinkling of the new and a sprinkling of your own ingenuity. Sure. So with that CD, would you include bonus content that would not be absolutely. available as a teaser? Absolutely, okay. right. absolutely. Because it's why would somebody buy a CD when they can just go and listen to it on YouTube? It would be it would be this the person who is fifty eight years old who oh, isn't sure. interested in sure. downloading, who doesn't do that, who doesn't know how to do it, who enjoys listening to music in a little more freer way than being tethered to some device so you you're, you're trying to target two different sets of people that way the the, the, the well easy for me to say the <laughs> digital people the younger yeah. crowd that'll yeah. do that'll do the single every couple of weeks or so and then still supply some uh, yeah. uh, avenue for uh and then you know numbers. if if they're really a fan they might be inclined to buy the actual physical thing True. if they can get content that they're not privy to already okay. by the you know the digital downloads so you're kind of covering all your bases. Okay. You know? Well, it's uh, definitely a cool model to look at. So I uh, will definitely keep that in mind. And I hope, uh, hope our listeners found it handy as well. Well, and so. you know what I, I've figured out, Mark, is like now, okay, a lot of these people, I really, you know, their music's all great. It's all great on whatever level. It is great. Now, what I'm looking at is like, what are they doing? Like, they're, how are they making this go? How are they doing this? How, what works for you know, one guy doesn't work for another band. Mm-hmm. What works for one artist doesn't work for another. And you got to figure out, well, how are they doing this? Why are they doing this? You know, is it working for them? Uh, you know, and just take a little bit from everybody, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, I love all the greats for every reason everyone else does, but I don't want to, I don't want to just try to model yourself after one person. There's sure. already that person. So you got to kind of take a little pinch of it all and, you know, whatever the mix is, you, you throw it out there on the table in your own way. And, mm-hmm. you know, I figured out, uh, you know, the other thing is like, you got to have a lot of content. Yeah, you right. got to have content continuously. Just mention it. Yeah. And that's, that's why I kind of think in the, doing the single route, because I can very feasibly with my life and career and family and all that could put out every six weeks. Easily, Absolutely. You know? And, uh, but to sit down and try to get 10 songs together just it was not going to happen it's mm. not going to happen now either so so this way it's you know but i like your idea of you know get the singles out there and then maybe put together a compilation with a little bonus content you know something to put that tangible in people's hands yeah you know? and i mean think about like these catalog bands they call them you know somebody like it's been around for a long time who's done a lot of recordings done a lot i mean just the united states alone okay you know a band like pick one you know they've had all the studio records they've had a greatest hits album yeah bon jovi something like that yeah Yeah. you know uh they've had some collection of this some collection Mm -hmm. of that and a lot of times you know you never know what's going to help reach people Mm -hmm. you never know the reason they're they're going to get hip to your music you know and so if i used to feel really guilty about this but i mean nobody else does I mean, how many times is you're going to buy the same songs on a compilation or an album or a lives thing or whatever it is, you know? And it's just, mm-hmm. it becomes ingrained in that artist framework of 
hey, you know, th- this is this is the ticket sellers, you know, mm-hmm. and we're going to put out a live version of it. We're going to put out a version with a guest on it. We're going to put out, a, <laughs> you know, an all new studio recorded version right, of it. We're right. going to put out a, you know, I mean, there's just tons of options when you start thinking about what are my most you know, Don't what forget are the, the remasters? You always yeah. have to have the remasters, right? What are what are the songs that people respond to? Right. You know, and you got to figure out how to get people to listen because there's a lot of opportunities to listen to a lot of other things. Yeah, yeah, all good points. All right, well, I think that pretty much is puts us. Yeah, we're at about thirty minutes. So, awesome. you have anything you want to wrap up with? Well, just uh, stay true to yourself and. You know, this is not about joining the club and doing anything, um, you know, like everybody else. You got to think outside the box. That's what being an artist right. is, you know, and I've had to do it just to survive. Mm-hmm. Very cool. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with that. And, uh, you know, just keep making music. Do it your way. I mean, it's not going to hurt. We've got plenty of opportunities, plenty of very affordable ways of getting the stuff out there. So you know, make your music the way you want to do it. And if you want to try to try to... Hey, write a top 40 hit, write a top 40 hit. If you just like the song that you wrote, record it and put it out there. What's what's the harm, right? Exactly. 75 bucks, right? Not bad. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks a lot for uh, for tuning in and to this episode of the Matt and Mark semi-hour of fun. <laughs> <laughs> We're just, uh, I promise, we will come up with a name for this podcast at some point in time. So, But anyway... We appreciate your support of Band Advice. Uh, be sure to uh, check out the links in the show notes. Watch our videos on YouTube. And uh, you know, if you're so inclined, uh, throw a couple bucks our way through Patreon. So, peace. Peace.